the Lord's been pressing on me concerning, and we've been talking about this for some time now, about you know what, what separates the sons of God from the world. What, you know, we are said to be in the world, but not of the world. And what does it mean to be of the world? Uh, or what does it mean to not be of the world? And what should set us apart that makes us uh, distinguishable enough that the world would notice that we're different, that somehow or another there's something different about us. You know, we're always quoting Micah and Isaiah where it says that in those last days that the world will say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and perhaps they'll teach us their ways. So what is it about us that would make us look different that the world would say, hey, we need to go over there. What are the things? Now, we know it should be our characteristics. Uh, our nature, our character should be different in such a way that, it, that we should be clearly separated from the world, that we should look something different from the world. And I, wanna, I, I want to speak to those things uh, today. And it was, it was kind of ironic uh, in our in our daily Bible reading back on the 11th, uh, Vicki Weeson picked up on this and brought it to my attention today. And I want to share it with you all. This is from Amos, uh, the 8th chapter, starting in the 11th verse. <clears throat> and it said, The time is surely coming, says the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing of the word of the Lord. Men will wander everywhere from sea to sea, seeking for the word of the Lord, searching, running here and going there, but will not find it. Nothing, no, what I call truth, the word of the Lord. No, no truth will be, will be found. That struck me with, we've talked about in the, sixth chapter of Revelation, when the third horseman was released, there was a famine that was to be put out. And we, we have all thought, I think, about no more roast beef, no more chicken, that that's the type of famine. But what God is saying here in Amos is you won't find the truth. You won't find the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Some of y'all will remember I, I taught few weeks or a few months back, the Lord had woke me up in the middle of the night and I'd gone in to pray and he told me then, he said, you cannot find the truth in the media. Previously, you could find the truth, but it was distorted one way to the right or to the left. But he said, now you'll no longer be able to find the truth. And Sam Solon shared something very similar to that later on about how it's not there. The truth is just not here anymore. <clears throat> My thoughts are this. So, some of the things that should, there, there are many characteristics that should separate us from the world so that people would see us different and it would prepare us to carry the glory of the God, uh, glory of God. One of them is love. You know, Christ told us, greatest commandment, love, uh, one another as I have loved you. He gave us that standard. So the way we care for one another 
should be something that distinguishes us from the world. But deeper down, especially in the times we're in now, when this famine of truth is coming in, our love of the truth has got to set us apart. When we hear things, when we read things, when we uh, research things, there has, it has to come to us filtered through the love of the truth. You have to be passionate about the truth, and you have to reject anything that's not true. You can't, you can't be lukewarm. You can't be half true. Can't be, it's got to be the truth. And so our love of the truth has to be evidence in our character in the way we pursue things. <clears throat> there are a lot of principles in the kingdom of God. We talk a lot of times about authority and things like that. Uh, this will, will weave into our love of the truth, how we administrate authority, spiritual authority, how we, you know, I always go back to that question that was given the Lord concerning you know, where did he get his authority? How did, by what authority are you doing this? Who gave it to you? How, where did you get that? That always comes back to me when we're talking about authority. But beyond loving one another, beyond loving the truth, beyond understanding and functioning in authority, <clears throat> there is a value system in the kingdom of God where we value wisdom. Our attitude about how much we value wisdom and understanding and counsel and knowledge, fear of the Lord, Lordship, the seven spirits of God. Uh, but all through Proverbs, all through Scripture, but in particular all through Proverbs, there is an attitude toward wisdom that it's, it's of greater value than silver or gold. Uh, Solomon's wisdom was something to be amazed at. Uh, but our, the, the, the value that we place on wisdom and understanding, the value that we place on um, vessels, people, who have been given the wisdom of the Lord, our, our ability to receive them and sit under their teachings and do like that, uh, says a lot about who we are. In addition to that, our administration of wisdom and counsel says much about who we are. That's one of the reasons the world will be attracted to us is because we have a history of, of uh, valuable counsel, valuable wisdom, valuable understanding. And so the world will continue to come back. You'll, you'll see uh, family members will call you to get wisdom because they know you know the Lord. They, they will they'll seek you out because you have a long track record of, of knowing and hearing from the Lord. But this comes from not being of the world. The world kind of mocks the wisdom of God. The world doesn't value the wisdom of God until the boat's sinking. <laughs> when, the, when the water, when the waves come on, then the world, all of a sudden they want to know the wisdom of God. But most of the time they just mock it. They mock God, they mock His wisdom. But you as the children of God 
have a set of standards, you have a characteristic, you have a value system that should value wisdom more than silver, should value wisdom more than precious gold or diamonds. It is the um, true treasures of heaven that, that will sustain you in all things that you do. So you want to constantly um, be looking for not only the spirit of wisdom, but who the spirit of wisdom resides on or in, who has an understanding of wisdom. You need to seek these people out. You need to, but you also, and this is what Proverbs says, each one of us individually, we don't just trust in somebody else having wisdom. We need to pursue wisdom ourselves. We need to, you know, <laughs> I need to draw the wisdom out of Louis, out of Saul that I can get for my own benefit. I need to bring it into me because wisdom is so important. That attitude, God will recognize that attitude and honor it, is what Scripture says. To those who put more value on wisdom than the things of the world, He will readily pour it out to them. And so, today, in this time, in this season that we're in, where we're going to come into a famine for the word of the Lord. There's going, to be a, there's going to be an absence or a lack of truth in our media, in our newspapers, in our interactions sometimes with people. They'll, we will lack the truth. Our politics, you know, there is no truth there. Everybody says whatever serves them best. Um, I think in business, there's a lot of deceptive business practice where there's not a, a real value of truth. So in this time, when, when truth is going to be so, so difficult to find and there's going to be a real famine of it, your characteristic, your value, your love of the truth, your love of wisdom, your love of the things of God is going to be what sets you apart from the world rather than just being overwhelmed with deception and division and hatred and anger, the characteristic of love that God has, but beyond that, the characteristic of love of one another and the love of those things that are most precious in the kingdom of God, like wisdom and knowledge and understanding and counsel and strength, these seven spirits of God, that's what... Your value of that and how you set it apart above everything else will set you apart from the world. You'll be in the world, but you won't be of it. Your nature will be of the kingdom of God because you have a value system different than the world. The world's value system puts the greatest value on wealth and power and influence and uh, Instagram likes and Twitter followers and yeah we it's got its own value system of what it thinks is important but you as the children of God have something totally different uh, than the people of the world your your value system will value the things that God values and has told us to value and has told us that are of the greatest <clears throat> importance to us and it will transform your character and it will set you apart and you will we may not like it, but you will not be included. You won't, you, you won't be able to be a part of the world because you just won't fit in. You'll be that square peg, and it'll be, the world will be a round hole, 
and there'll be no place for you. But, but rest, be at peace, for, for your Father in heaven knows these things. But he is, he, is, he is maturing up, bringing forth a people that will look just like Christ collectively. We will look just like Christ. And these things will be of the greatest value. You'll not be out of, you'll not uh, lack for truth because you have the promise of the Holy Spirit. And remember what Jesus said. He said, this is John either 16 or 17. He says, good that I should go to the Father because when I do, I'll send the great comforter and he will lead you into truth in all things, in all matters. So rest assured, this famine of uh, the word of the Lord is not for you. It's for the world. You will be fed everything true. You'll be led into truth in all matters because of the promise of the Holy Spirit that you've been given that leads and guides you in all things. So as we're going to continue, we've been talking about how we were carrying out the decay and the rottenness in our temple. Now we're going to begin to put back in those things uh, that are the characteristics that will identify us as God's representative in the earth today. Fair enough? Thoughts, comments, questions, statements? You know, there's a lot of people out there that got their definition of truth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I asked somebody, what is truth? You know, that's my question to them. What is truth? Yeah. I think more than that, where do you find truth? How do you identify? How do you, how do you know things to be true? I offer this to you. You test it and see. I think there are some things that are real, but they're not true. Uh, the example I always use is, it's, it's, it's real that my dad died when I was 11, but it's not true that I'm fatherless. You know, you mentioned that uh, we should be uh, like different from the world. And you use one of the, you use the illustration that by love, well, another thing that's hard to do is, is one of them should be forgiveness too. No doubt. Forgive. That's one of the things I struggle with because I'm learning that forgiveness has to become a, a daily part of our life. You know, I'm talking like in, in, in work situations like this, uh, co-workers, and, because people's always going to offend you or, you know. Yeah. Uh, no doubt, Saul. Um, Forgiveness will be one of the things we'll touch on because, you know, God says forgiveness will cover a multitude of sins. We think of their sins, but it'll cover a multitude of our sins. But, you know, even in the, in the way Jesus taught us to pray, Father, forgive me to the same degree that I'm willing to forgive others. So it's, it's a characteristic of God's love that we have to be able to demonstrate. Unforgiveness... 
I mean, you and I could get crossways, and my unforgiveness wouldn't have anything, it would have no impact on you. If I, wouldn't, if I had unforgiveness towards you, all they'd do is rot me out, and it'd eat me up from the inside out. And that's why the forgiveness part is so critical. Because you, you sit over, I sit over here mad at you, and I'm just not going to forgive you, not going to forgive you. And you're going on about your daily life, and you don't even know or care. <laughs> so so we, we've got to recognize that un unforgiveness is a personal sin against self, not against the other person. Right. I've experienced in, 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 certain, you know, in certain situations in, in my life that, that there, there's times when, when a person or an individual has gotten me so mad that I got to pull away. I got to find myself. And even in finding myself, I'm so like one time a, a police pulled me over and they gave me a ticket for the, for the lights on my. And I was so mad from the time that, because I have history with policemen. I, ha, I have a bad rep with, against cops. And uh, I was so mad when he told me he was going to give me a citation that I told him, well, you, you need to hurry up and give me that citation. So I can get up out of here. But I was so mad from the time that I signed the ticket to the time that I left. I went. I went ahead and went to the store. I was mad while I was in the store. Mad when I got home, and woke up mad the next day. But the scripture was te teaching me. God is teaching me that when 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 I allow myself to get that angry, I become a slave to the other person. Well, really, you become a slave to the enemy. Because vengeance, anger, rage, all those things are characteristics of your enemy, the devil, and you become a slave to him. And you know, it was good that I, that I experienced that. Because me, without me experiencing that, I'm not able to experience not just the love of God, but his forgiveness too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and I'm learning that in situations, because a lot of times even when, when we do bad, when I do bad, Instead of running to God, I try to run away from Him because of the guilt or the embarrassment. Yeah. But once I get along with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit begins to minister to me, then I come to God because I know He knows everything. Yeah, yeah the spirit of shame and guilt, which you know is one of Satan's favorite tools to use, um, will keep you from forgiving yourself. And if you can't forgive yourself, you can't receive the forgiveness from God. And so that, that's why you run away. That's why we all do. It's not just you. We all do that. Uh, shame, guilt, self-condemnation will change our perspective of ourselves. Rather than seeing ourselves the way God sees us, we'll see ourselves the way the devil has described us to ourselves. And we take agreement with the devil. Say, so, yeah, you're right. You know, he'll come to you and he'll say, you were wrong there. And you know you were. And so you agree with him. And when he does, then the shame, the guilt, the self-condemnation can come on. What we have to do is say, yeah, but that nature is not the na I, what What you're saying is real, but it's not true. When Satan says you were wrong there, you can say, yeah, that was real, but that's not who I am. I am the Son of God. That's contrary to my nature. And I reject that and I repent of that action that was of my old nature, not my new nature. Let me ask you a question. Like um, <clears throat> sanctification. Sanctification? Is that a process? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Sanctification is a term some denominations use. Others, I, I, it was very familiar with me when I was in the Methodist church. Uh, sanctifying grace was a, a element that was very common. I more commonly call that maturing now. Maturing is the evidence of the sanctification of this vessel. Uh, as we are renewed, as our minds are renewed and we are transformed and we mature past those temptations that previously would have held us, that's a, sanctifi a sanctification process. And just as a child is born as an infant and matures into adult, so is a son of God born as an infant and matures into a huios or a fully matured son of God. That's how I would look at sanctification today.